0: After months of money raising, campaigning, and a few sharp elbows, Board of Alderman President Lewis Reed emerged victorious over three other candidates in Tuesday's municipal elections. Reed defeated State Senator Jamil Nasheed and Alderwoman Megan Green. During his victory speech, Reed promised to bring the city together as it confronts some major decisions.
1: This is our time, St. Louis. We're going to determine what the new St. Louis looks like. We're going to eliminate the Del Mar divide, and we're not going to be North St. Louis, we're not going to be South St. Louis, and we're not going to be Central Corridor. We're going to be one St. Louis. That's our future. Thank you so much for your time.
0: On this episode of Politically Speaking, Rachel Lipman and I break down Tuesday's results and what they mean for the city of St. Louis. This is Politically Speaking, the longest running episodic podcast about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is
2: a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that that we got to where we needed to go. You know, if you walk in a room, And you're getting ready to make a decision,
3: and everybody in the room looks like you. You need to stop.
4: And right now, what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked
2: hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money.
0: And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio, joining me on this very uh energetic and not lethargic Wednesday.
2: Correct. Rachel Lippmann, his his reporting colleague.
0: Yeah. That's a bit of sarcasm. I'm actually pretty drained right now.
2: Yeah, it's been a busy week, two, yeah. three, four for you.
0: Yeah, I think that this is not a great start to this podcast. I think people are gonna be like, Why why are we listening to an unenergetic Jason Rosenbaum? And the answer is pretty clear because we've just gotten through the 2019 St. Louis aldermanic elections. The The primaries, to be fair. The primaries, yes. It's possible the Green Party may... Uh, run wild like Hulkamania, but it's un- it's very <laughs> unlikely.
2: That would be awesome. I'm not picturing like, I mean, because the Hulk screen, So yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, yeah, I was I was referring to Hulk Hogan, but I guess I could also refer to the Incredible Hulk as well. Uh, be that as it may, the, the big news uh, last night was there wasn't a huge amount of change.
2: Yeah, no news, really.
0: Well, I mean, there was news. Of course. It was the ending of a very contentious and expensive Board of Alderman president campaign where Lewis Reed ended up winning narrowly over State Senator Jamila Nasheed and Alderwoman Megan Green. Jimmy Matthews was also in it, but he only got about 500 votes, I think.
2: Eh, something like that. Not enough to really play a role.
0: No, not not at all, though I think he's going to use this as a springboard to run for governor, from what <laughs> I've heard. But uh, be that as it may, um, you know, both you, you and I looked at the ward-by-ward ward results and found a lot of interesting things. I think the most interesting takeaway is that Reed didn't actually win that many wards.
2: No, he won five, five of them, if my math I is think right.
0: Five or six. Yeah. I mean, twenty-eight was like he won by six votes. But yeah. It's essentially a tie. Still a win. But you know, he won by wide margins in some of the southwest side, mm-hmm. and he placed second all across the north and south side. So, I understand that Lewis Reed is not universally beloved by by the people that ran against him, certainly, and and the political factions. That we're supporting Nasheed and Green. But I just got to say, it is reasonably impressive to see a citywide candidate contend both in North and South St. Louis. You don't really see a successful one able to do that. They either like are able to get huge margins... In one place or the other, like Lida Krusen mm-hmm. got huge margins in Southwest City in yep. 2017, and
2: that's basically what made up her her vote total. The margin of victory was in those in those four. There are four wards that basically made up her margin of victory.
0: And you know, I just got to say this. I understand that uh, Reed had a lot of institutional support from people like Krusen from a lot of largely white wards like the 16th, 12th, uh, 23rd Democratic organizations. But I think it just has to be said that we're talking about a citywide election in St. Louis, which is, you know, pretty notorious for having elections that are decided based on the racial composition of the area. And we have an African-American candidate that won the whitest parts of the city. That is a Pretty significant accomplishment when you think about it.
2: Yeah, and I wonder how much of that is is the fact that you know he came in second in, in a lot of the north side wards, is where he he performed second to to Nasheed. And I'm wondering how much of it was in some of those wards where he won outright. It was less about you know oh we're rah 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 Reed and a lot of people just looking and going you know what we can't support either of these other two candidates. It's, certainly it's, it's possible. less about, you know, oh, it's Reed and more about it is not Jamila Nasheed or it is not Megan Green. Because looking at the wards where he did win outright, the margins aren't huge. They, you know, none of them alone pushed him to his margin of victory in the same way that Crewson did racked up those huge margins
0: there. Yeah. If you add up the 12th, the 16th, the 10th, and the 23rd, which I consider Southwest City. It's a little under 1,400 votes. It's about
2: 1,360 votes. And
0: I think he won by 1,404. Mm -hmm. So that was not technically decisive, but you know, that was a key building block to his win. Correct.
2: Oh, absolutely. And for sure. And again, it's hard to know what the motivating factor is without, you know, talking to every voter in those wards. But I think a fair amount of it was less about we really, really, really support Reed in the way that those wards did Crewson and more we don't want any of these other candidates. It's an anybody but scenario. It's
0: certainly possible. Mm -hmm. But as a former Southwest Side native now living in uh, the beautiful central corridor of St. Louis County, I do know from experience that when, let's say, the 16th Ward Democrats are someone like Tom Oldenburg or Gregory F. X. Daly or any of the other elected officials from that area or organizations endorse a candidate, oftentimes the voters respond in kind and right. vote for that candidate. Yeah. Not always. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't know what happened, for example, in the 11th Ward where Green ended up beating Reed by 80 votes. I assume the 11th Ward organization endorsed Reed. So that's an example where it doesn't always correlate. But, I mean, I like to describe the Southwest side as very machine-oriented in the sense that they have very potent organizations that can convince voters to vote in a certain way. And that
2: haven't splintered because there are Democratic organizations within each ward. But if you were on Facebook at all during Election Day, you saw all of the stuff where it's like, well, this this organization put out this ballot and this organization put out this ballot and this organization put out this ballot. So it's a more cohesive organization as opposed to what happens in some of the other wards.
0: So you were at uh, Reed's victory party last Mm -hmm. night. I'm going to play a clip from his avail after he made his speech.
1: I was tired because I'm only on two hours of sleep, but... Now I feel like I can run a marathon. I'm so excited. I'm really looking forward to getting to work tomorrow in the city of St. Louis and and working tackling some of these big issues that we have uh, in front of us.
0: Reed has not had the smoothest few years in Mm -hmm. his political career. He lost two elections for mayor in 2013 and 2017. He got involved in some fairly controversial issues like funding the now scuttled NFL stadium Mm -hmm. for the now Los Angeles Rams, Mm -hmm. but then the St. Louis Rams, um, and also getting involved in like the soccer stadium and the now Enterprise Center.
2: Correct. Yeah, that was probably the biggest one where opponents were drawing a very clear connection between uh, his support for this project and donations that he'd received from the ownership group of Enterprise Center and the Blues.
0: But, you know, all those things I think were fodder that his adversaries used over the years, but... He ended up winning. What message do you take away from the fact that he was able to kind of overcome a pretty difficult few years politically?
2: I think it is in the same way that all 11 incumbents won in the aldermanic seats. And I know we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast. There is a sense that the city needs to change, but the factions that all agree that there needs to be change don't agree on what that change looks like. There's, I think, one group that is a little bit more pragmatic about how they think the change is going to happen, where they realize that there is still a system in which you have to work and you have to get enough people into the system in order to change it. And then there is a faction that is just like, you know, Dan the Torpedoes, full speed ahead. We want you to align with us on every single part of these issues. And those two sides who realize that change is important but can't agree on the tactics to get that change can't get themselves going in the same direction. And Reed was able to run the campaign, highlighting, you know, in different areas of the city, important things enough to, you know, win second place enough and rack up large enough margins in those wards we were talking about to win.
0: Let's talk about why this race matters. Not only does Reed get to continue appointing aldermanic committees and referring bills to committees and voting on the board of estimate and apportionment, he really is now the swing vote in whether. St. Louis decides to get a private operator for Lambert Airport, mainly because, you know, Mayor Lida Cruson, who's also on the ENA, seems pretty amenable to it. And while Comptroller Darling Green seems, very much opposed to it, which kind of puts Reed in a position...
2: I would call her more skeptical of yeah. it. She I, And she has absolutely endorsed a public vote on the privatization of Lambert Airport. But as a concept, I think she's more fairly described as skeptical because she points to the financial picture saying the airport is stable, it's paying off its debt, those kind of th- things.
0: Right. But let's just say Crusen comes out in favor of a hypothetical plan mm-hmm. and, and and Green. Uh, is opposed Darlene to it. Darling Green. Darling <laughs> Green. I mean, what I think a lot of people need to understand is that puts Reed and kind of by extension, the Aldermanic Black Caucus, many of whom supported Reed in this election and who will have a lot of leverage because a lot of white aldermen have come out against quote unquote airport privatization. Like Reed and the Aldermanic Black Caucus can basically design a plan and the proceeds to go to certain initiatives are they will just say, we're not gonna vote for it and kill it, mm-hmm. essentially. yeah. You actually uh, asked Reed about this last night. This was his answer.
1: Do Do you know what a deal looks like? I mean, for real, I mean, that's, hey, here's the here's the issue that that people continue to miss. You can't tell me, and I, nobody knows what, a, what, what anything looks like to say what you will agree to. I mean, it's like saying, uh, you know, are you gonna? Are you gonna eat your whole dinner tomorrow? He's like, I don't know what my dinner is. I don't know what I'm gonna eat prior to that. So, there's a you know, as a practical matter, it's important to understand what a deal is and and what we're looking at, and we have no idea what that is.
0: So that's kind of a different posture than Nasheed put out. I think she was also pretty skeptical, though she didn't say outright like, I'm gonna vote against it on E and A like Megan Green did. So. But, I feel but, but, like
2: Nasheed took sort of a similar, like, you know, I have to see what a plan is. Here is what a plan could look like. She hadn't fully ruled it out.
0: No, I don't think so. But I think she was a lot more hostile to the idea than Reid. Um, where do you think this process goes from here? Does it really just depend on, like, what the private offer operator is willing to offer the city? Like, for example, if they're like, we're going to give you $3 billion— And the $3 billion is going to go to tear down a bunch of buildings on the north side or build a lot of infrastructure or pay down debt. um, Is is that something that could kind of tamp down the General skepticalness among people of, I think, a lot of different political factions to the idea of privatization.
2: It's possible if you construct the upfront payment in a way that, you know, it can be used as a sweetener, Christmas tree, et cetera, where you can say, you know, this is going to go to all of your pet projects. You may peel it off. But remember, that's a one time thing. Once that's gone, once that's distributed, there's no, unless it's written into the deal, there's no guaranteed revenue coming into the city from the asset. And there are concerns about labor. There are concerns about other things that are sort of at the core of, you know, traditional big D democratic values, labor unions, etc., when you go to privatization? And then does it open up the door for the water department to get privatized as well? That's something that always sort of, you know, pops back and forth and in and out. Um, Originally, most recently, I think it was 2011 or 2012, when Veolia wanted to come in and take a look at potentially taking away the water system. So there may be an opening to say, you know, yes, we can give you, you know, this amount of money. And that is a lot of money. But it's gone after you know it gets spent and it just depends on what it looks like going forward
0: and it also depends on like what it does to the airport does right. it make the flights unaffordable does it does it make the infrastructure better mm-hmm. Um, A lot of people don't have a terribly high view of LAMP. Explore the craft of journalism from drone use to breaking news, ethics, and investigative journalism at Mini J School, a six-week discussion series led by journalism professionals from St. Louis Public Radio.
2: There's an art to an effective interview, and the skill it takes can apply to most professions, as well as conversations with family and friends. Anyone can learn how at Mini J School, a six-week series led by journalism professionals like me, Kay Petrin.
0: See the St. Louis Public Radio drone in action. Register at minijschool.org. For various reasons. So let's talk about the two people that came in second and third. And it was very close between Jamil Nasheed and Megan Green.
2: 144 votes between second and third.
0: And um, I've known you know, I've known all three candidates for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think they have their, their inherent strengths and weaknesses like every political figure. I wouldn't say that any of them are perfect per se um you could point to many things in their long political careers that they probably did wrong but i would no also no
2: politician is is perfect but you I can't would,
0: but i would also say the reason i think this race was so close is because i think all three of them have their constituencies that mm-hmm. they were able to get out so i mentioned that because had never lost an election before tonight neither had megan green True. And, and 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 both of them had defeated very high quality opponents over their their careers Because they were both running in the middle of their respective terms. So Nasheed is then going to stay for about two more years. Mm -hmm. Green is also going to stay for about two more years. They still have a platform to effectuate policy and stay in the mix. In fact, that was the point that Nasheed made during her concession speech.
3: They're going to still have to deal with Jamila Nasheed. We have have some very, very, very uh, important issues that's going to come before us from privatizing the airport to merging the city or the county which I don't think is going to happen to reducing the board of aldermen we're going to be in the game every step of the way they're going to have to deal with us
0: this is what uh, Megan Green said about how she plans to impact public policy over the next couple of years. And
2: keep in mind that Green and Reed do not have a particularly good relationship dating back before this. Um, they're, they're, Green is not necessarily particularly well viewed on the Board of Aldermen, especially by Reed and some of his supporters. So this, there's that working dynamic.
4: I mean, we have a lot of dangerous things that are going to be happening to our city in the next couple of years. And uh, as I said to fo- supporters in the room tonight, this doesn't stop tonight. Uh, We have to fight to make sure that our airport is not privatized. We have to fight to make sure that Better Together does not privatize the rest of our city assets. We have to fight to make sure that we can get the workhouse closed and move toward a criminal justice system that actually is just uh, while reducing our crime rates with ways that keep people out of jail. There's a lot of work to do. And there are a lot of people in this city who were inspired by our platform and our commitment to issues. And that does not stop today.
0: So, Rachel, what do you think is next for both Nasheed and Green? I think Green could continue to run for the board of aldermen if she really wanted to. I guess if the city and county merged, I think she'd be a strong candidate to run for one of the 33 council seats, albeit probably against some other people in that. 15th Ward, 8th Ward. Part of
2: the 9th Ward, uh, yeah.
0: area. Uh, Nasheed is a little bit more limited. She's term limited out of the Senate. Uh, I think she lives in the 18th Ward, which just elected a new alderman. So... I don't think the path for her is as clear. So what do you think happens to both of them going forward?
2: I mean, if you read the tea leaves when it comes to statewide committees, which are state level committees, which Nasheed still has set up, she is, you know, had a statement of organization for a primary in 2024. I mean, I can't keep track of what races are up in 2024 It doesn't really this mean point. anything. Yeah, of it's course it doesn't re- mean anything. It's just a repo- – It's a placeholder.
0: It's a repository to keep unspent funds. Right,
2: and it's a placeholder. I mean, I could see her, you know, going to – it's something where she can continue to work on issues whether you know lobbyist something where she can continue to have a voice um what actually surprised me about green was how well she did in some very varied areas of the city she pulled above 10% in i think 19 or so wards not great on the north side she did not have a great showing on the north side but she won wards as diverse as the 13th Uh, The 15th, which is her home ward, she won the 7th, which is uh, Central Corridor. So she's got a a broad enough appeal to maybe against a right candidate, go to a citywide office or go to, like you said, one of those um, mega council, metro council, whatever you want to call it. Or she may just decide to go into, you know, stay at the Board of Aldermen and wait to see if there becomes enough turnover in the future uh, of like-minded, sort of more legislator-shaped policy individuals to really get some traction on her ideas.
0: And as for Nasheed, I could also see her running for a mega council seat as well. I could also see her getting an appointment from Governor Mike Parson. I think that they both served in the Senate together. Uh, Parson is close to former House Speaker Steve Tilley, who is – a very close friend of Jamila Nasheed. And it's I, not a secret. They both appeared on our podcast together. Yeah. So I think, though, the, the big story between Green and Nasheed was uh, what Nasheed said during another part of her concession speech, which I think has kind of set social media on fire amongst Twitter town and Facebook land in St. Louis uh, area <laughs> politics. This is what uh, Nasheed said last night.
3: But you know what is unfortunate? Is that egos came into play? When you have, you know, you know, the progressives, everything that they hate about St. Louis, everything that they hated about St. Louis, they perpetuated in this race because you can't say you for Black Lives Matter and you want to try to reduce black representation, Come on. you know. And so, if it wasn't but for her being in this race, I mean, Megan Green, okay. we would have had a one, a win. So don't be talking about black lives matter no more. Right. Because if it if it mattered, then black representation would strong black representation. Because of because of the progressive egos, we're still in the same conditions. And that is the most unfortunate situation that we're dealing with
0: today. Here is uh, Megan Greene responding to me telling her the gist of Nasheed's comments. Obviously, I didn't tell verbatim what she said, but I gave her the general scope of it. Yeah,
4: I'm very happy that we're the only campaign that ran a positive issues oriented campaign. And I think that's what voters want to see in this city, is people who actually are talking about the real issues that our city faces and not slinging mud at each other. Uh, and I think that we can't move forward as a city until we start to elect representation um, that is centering good public policy before you know any kind of personality disputes or any kind of personal attacks.
0: This is kind of my hot takeaway from all this. I think that it was unlikely that you would have had a situation where Nasheed or Green had run one-on-one with Reed because they both represent pretty dramatically different factions of St. Louis politics. They were together during the Tashar Jones mayoral run. Mm-hmm. But I think on the one side in the Nasheed camp, you have the more pragmatic work with people that are your political adversaries type mindset in order to get things done and uh, kind of archetype, which is not universally popular. Mm. I mean, there's a reason why Nasheed has often faced pretty decent opposition in her elections, because people don't like that type of mentality. And then on the other hand, as you kind of mentioned, even though it's pretty clear that Megan Green's politics do have appeal in in various parts of the city, um, particularly in the Central Corridor, and I would say both parts of the South Side, a lot of people just are not as left of center as she is on issues, I mean, the southwest side has more Republicans than probably any other part, and yeah. I don't, I don't think that they're voting for Megan Green.
2: Yeah, I mean, the 12th ward was the last to to lose a Republican. The 12, the last Republican on the St. Louis Board of Aldermen was in the 12th ward. There has not been a Republican on the board since I believe 2011, but that's where the last Republican bastion of the city was. So,
0: so what I'm trying to get at is, I certainly understand Nasheed's frustration. Because I guess it is possible if it was a one-on-one matchup between Nasheed and Reid, maybe Nasheed would have won. But on the other hand, if a large group of voters would rather vote for someone like Megan Green and have a, a different choice, you can't really just stop people from running. So what's your f- that, that that's my that's my take. What's I mean, your take? it
2: is obviously in the same way that you can't look at the mayor's race where you had sort of a similar argument that there were spoiler candidates in that race. And it, you know, pulled votes away from et cetera. If you look at, you know, who came in first and second in a lot of these wards, there's only three wards where Greed came in third.
0: The ninth the 20th, 20th
2: and the 25th.
0: And and none of those margins were by huge margins. No.
2: And so I I don't know if and and you don't know like whose votes would have gone where if one of those candidates were not in the race. But I I still don't necessarily think that the way this election played out with the numbers that we have that there was a way through with Nasheed or Green out that there is a way through for the other candidate to 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 beat Reed, just based on the numbers that we have.
0: There has been discussion because this similar dynamic happened in the mayor's race where mm-hmm. the mayor won without a fifty percent margin, that this should stoke discussion about runoffs, like in Kansas City. Chicago. So, or Chicago. Um ranked choice voting where i guess you would choose like your top 2 and and that would kind of be calculated into who 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 wins it's it's kind of a complicated process um i mean that's certainly a discussion in the future and i think it's a worthy discussion given that reed was voted against by over 60% of the electorate right. but Everybody knew what the rules were. And before everyone this election. knew that it's going to be a
2: multi candidate race. It, you didn't have someone coming in at the last minute and saying, I want to run for this, or an independent coming in at the last minute. I, I mean, I've seen chatter of people being like, we need to do nonpartisan races. And the counter to that is, well, essentially it's nonpartisan now because, you know, we're such a democratic city that. And, and, and my sort of take on that is, I think there are. Enough people in the city, maybe enough people in the city, that don't want to subscribe to a particular party label, that don't want to have to go get the support of the organizations to, you know, put that letter by their name, who just don't want to have that letter, who, if you take that all away, there is no signal to say, you know, you are this person, you are directly associated with that. Throw them all in a mix in March, let everybody duke it out. No party labels, no nothing. Throw the top two, top three if nobody gets fifty percent into a runoff election in April. You know, open up the system a little bit, take out some of those weird like, you know, factions and wards and, you know, whatever and just let it be a battle royale of ideas rather than of like party labels. Well,
0: that's not gonna happen. I know
2: it's not going and to happen. And also <laughs> if the
0: city and county merge they're still partisan elections because, sure. and I think that actually, I guess it matters because a combined city and county will have I don't know seven to nine districts that Republicans will win in in the county, and
2: some that will be more competitive than anything within the right. city. Right.
0: So I mean, we're still going to have that if yeah. Together's plan uh, passes. On a
2: you know, in a dream world where the city is here, you move it to nonpartisan in March and a runoff in April.
0: Well. I, I mean, one more thing before we get to the Alderman. How much do you think the weather affected the the outcome? I mean, it was incredibly freaking cold yesterday. It and, and, was
2: incredibly cold. But I think, as you pointed out, Jason, in Reed's first election, first competitive election in 2007, turnout was actually even worse. I, now, I, and I don't know
0: what the weather was like. I then. don't know what, what was, the weather was
2: like either. But I mean, for it to be 15 degrees in March is incredibly unusual. So you would think it was probably a little bit warmer than it was yesterday back in 2007 when Reed beat Shrewsbury. I-, I mean... I think the wards that were lower turnout are notoriously lower turnout. So maybe the numbers overall are larger, but I don't know that the margins necessarily shift all that much because I don't think the free it might have bumped like, you know, the fifth ward from ten percent to twelve percent, but it wasn't going to bump it from ten percent to twenty-five percent in the fifth ward.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the aldermanic races. None of the incumbents lost. I don't Correct. know. I don't know the last time that happened. I know that the incumbents lost in 17, 15, 13, and uh, 11. Yeah. So Arnowitz, Sharon Tyus, uh, Kara Spencer, No, Guthbert. No, Tyus,
2: Tyus, Tyus came, Oh, you're right. Tyus beat, Tyus, a, Tyus beat an incumbent. Yes. You're right. Yeah.
0: So it's kind of unusual for that to happen. Um, the closest race was in the 14th mm-hmm. Ward, where uh, Carol Howard narrowly beat a, a Democratic challenger. You know there were some other interesting races like Christine Gracia faced Deborah Carnahan, who is the wife of former Congressman Russ Carnahan, but that race really wasn't that close. And, I mean,
2: if you if you looked when absentee ballots first came out, you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a nail biter, and Gracia ran away with it.
0: Yeah, and I, I she also beat two other candidates as mm-hmm. well. Um, and there were three open seats, mm-hmm. so in the 18th ward, Jesse Todd, who's a longtime 18th ward committee man, will replace Terry Kennedy. Mm-hmm. In uh, the 24th ward, Brett Orion will replace Scott Ogilvie, and and just for a dis- for a disclosure alert, Brett Narayan and I actually went to Mizzou together, and we actually played the video game Karaoke Revolution often. <laughs> Hence the reason I never tweeted about him or reported on him at all.
2: I really hope there's video evidence of this somewhere out there. And then in the tweet and and he will have two independent candidates as well, independent challengers in April. What isn't clear is if whether these two individuals were hedging in case Tom Bauer, who wanted his old job back, he was recalled in two thousand five, whether they were there to just be like, Hey, we don't want it's anyone but Bauer, or if they also are going to really heavily campaign against Narayan. Ahead of the April elections, so his is not guaranteed. Essentially,
0: right. I I I think that that's a fair point to to mention. Because and,
2: I mean, the last alderwoman out, the last alderman out of that ward came in as an independent first. That, that's, so
0: that's true, but that's because Tom Bauer won. Oh, true. And I think that there was also a situation where I think Dan Gunther won over Ortman, and I think he might have had a Green Party candidate that was willing to actually spend money against Ortman. Had Ortman won that primary right. and then basically endorsed uh, Gunther after he won. Right. So we'll have to see if that happens. The 26th was actually really interesting because you had three candidates who spent a pretty large amount of money. Um, and the winner was Shamim Hubbard, who is the wife of former state representative Rodney Hubbard. is also is also has like a political heritage to herself, too. Her grandfather used to be, I believe, the head of the St. Louis NAACP. <laughs> Um, Didn't it, know that fact. And 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 the thing that I mean, just from a linguistic standpoint, it means there'll be double Hubbards <laughs> in the board of Aldermen.
2: You're gonna just keep using that. She will join her uh, sister-in-law Tamika on the board of Aldermen. Tamika is the fifth ward
0: Alderwoman. I, I do have to just we just I do want to riff on this a little bit because the Hubbard dynasty i think it's a dynasty now yeah i mean when when you have one two three five people in elected office it's a dynasty
2: at least not at the same time but
0: they, they had a rough 2016 when penny hubbard lost to bruce franks in a redo election mm-hmm. and then rodney hubbard senior senior lost his committee man seat uh to, to rasheen to aldridge aldridge, aldridge yep. so i think there was a lot of feeling like this family's on the ropes, they're kind of on its last legs. And then Tamika wins re-election in twenty seventeen, very hard fought race. Mm-hmm. And then you have a situation where Shamim Hubbard wins a very competitive race. So I, I think this kind of goes to show you that there are temporary setbacks in St. Louis politics. And it it could be something of a a more positive example for someone like Nasheed and Megan Green that Just because you lose a particular election does not mean your political career is absolutely over. And for both of them, they're both in the position where they're still in office and they don't have to give up their seats. Whereas, you know, Both Penny and Rodney Senior lost their respective political positions, so something to ponder. And and,
2: I mean, the twenty sixth and the fifth are also, you know, I think they're they're neighboring wards on the map. I can never remember certain that they are. They're separated by a few, but it's it's a different ward and a different dynamic. I think the the Hubbard name in that fifth is more toxic. You're going to get more people targeting it than it is in the twenty sixth, where she was a Democratic committee woman. So she has her own grandfather's political heritage. She has her own political heritage and name and, and past and future there.
0: And last thought on that before we, we wrap up, uh, Congressman Lacey Clay ended up endorsing Shamim Hubbard. And that is notable because his father, uh, Bill Clay, was the former alderman and committee man of the 26th Ward. So that was probably an example where Clay's endorsement probably did make a difference, especially in a close race. Mm-hmm. His endorsement power is not always absolute. But I think if especially if she sent out a mailer uh, announcing the endorsement, could have made a difference. So I think that's all for now. You can find more of the analysis of the 2019 election on stlpublicradio.org. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Rachel on Twitter at... At Lippman two 2 Ends. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long.
1: I've become One with the mud But if I can't swim out